Hi, Danny. We're gonna do prep yourself. In a new place. Uh-uh, what's gonna happen? Maybe some cars going by. <laughs> Maybe some, like, uh, door-to-door salesman coming. Maybe. That used to, in the past, the prince of the podcast would, like, stop them upstairs and we would never even know what happened. I know. We're just... Um, yeah, we're at my house today. We're, like, sitting in a living room. Mm-hmm. Not That's in a basement. Nice. I love this living room. <laughs> You're like, I'm inspired. We should put a before and after of what this living room was. And then when I didn't see you for like what seemed like eight months, yep. you transformed this whole area, put in a new <laughs> fireplace. It's yep. amazing. Oh, thank you. And I came here and I was like, this is where we should be podcasting. <laughs> You're like, I feel basement. calm now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We did a lot of work on not having it be um, crowded. And it's a small space, so we live in a really small house. So it was, it felt good to just have it be spacious. It's interesting what can happen when you don't like allow yourself to keep, you know, like there were pieces of furniture that we were just emotionally attached to, even though they took up like a quarter of the room. We had like an entertainment like drawer system that we really loved. It took up a lot of space. Mm hmm. But the couple who took it were really happy. It was like a young, happy couple. They were so excited about it. I was thinking that you were like in the backyard hacking it. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was so beautiful. It was all handmade. Like someone designed it. And when you pulled out the drawers and stuff, you could see all of their like numbers and like from when they were cutting the wood and measurements and stuff. And there were all these like really cool sliders, like the way that they had put it together. I don't know. I liked it, but now it's gone. I also recently parted with uh, a sentimental piece of furniture. Ooh, your couch. My couch. It was so comfortable, that Same couch. Same thing um, that we gave it to a cute little young couple. Maybe it was the same couple. <laughs> what we if it know. is? What if our couch and my <laughs> came together? I think it probably did. Yep. In our hearts, did we know that them? it did. Huh? Did you see them? Uh, Leaf did. Leaf oh, helped them. We'll have to ask Leaf. Yeah. Compare notes. <laughs> yeah. But Mike and I were like, what is it about these people? We're like, it's us. <laughs> it's us 10 years <laughs> 10 ago. Years ago. <laughs> it was really adorable. Yeah. Um, so I'm also glad that couch went to a good place because yes. I was like, if our new couch comes tomorrow morning and this is here, I'm having them take it for $50 and they're taking it to the dump. And that made me really sad. That's upsetting because that couch was amazing. Yeah. Like I spent some good time on that couch for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we decided that we're going to try and um, do some stuff over here partially because... Yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Who are we? are we? Is this the furniture podcast? Let me talk about the old furniture podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. If you've never listened to Prep Yourself, this is actually not a furniture <laughs> podcast. It's not a redecorating podcast or anything. It's actually not. It doesn't even have any facts. So no. it's a non-factual podcast about things. Um, about furniture and other things. And other things. Like we've prepared our mental state to be able to transition to a whole new oh place of recording to see how it goes. Um but part of the reason that we're uh, doing this over here is because you're potty training your little one. <laughs> she gets a little wild sometimes during yeah. this whole stuff and things. But 
the best part about it that literally seconds ago, I was like, Mm -hmm. you don't have to have any diapers in your go bag. I was like, oh my God, that's so true. (laughs) Or Or baby baby food. food. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Or like other weird baby stuff that you like, I mean, now it feels like you need it in that case. (laughs) Who knows? Yep. But like things to keep them busy, like coloring and stuff like that. We can just figure out other things because she's more advanced, you know, more right. um, like, into, I don't know. Yeah. Hard. You could also just be like, we're in an emergency situation and I need you just, just to corner. sit here and be quiet. Yeah. Lily will be like, oh, sure, mom. <laughs> Absolutely. On it. No problem. Oh, my gosh. Um, but that's really exciting. We had a couple of things this week where uh, we just did some basic prepping items. Uh, like I was at a store and they happened to have some like three gallon, uh, drink things, uh, on sale. Jugs. So I got one for me and one for Lex yeah. just to store some water. That was really uh, nice of you. Yeah. And then, cause we always talk about, you know, water storage is like one of the hardest things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's nice just to be like, okay, I just put three gallons away. Yeah, I don't have to I think about it better. now. Mm-hmm. Mike already filled it up for us. <laughs> of course he did. Of course he did. Prince of the podcast. <laughs> what else? What else would be happening? Um, but he, so we did that. And then I also grabbed uh, the same store on sale, had on sale, like a pre-made five day pack um, that I grabbed to put in the car. And it's always fun because when I buy things like that, like it's like Leaf completely forgets about prepping because he's very he's supportive like, oh, of the podcast, but he doesn't good. really listen to it. But he gets reinvigorated every time it kind <laughs> of comes up. He's like, oh, yeah. And, you know, like he um, is trying to make a go bag for his desk. Like he's never had a desk go bag. So. Good, good. But this is partially because I made him listen to the big one, which we're going to discuss. Mm. Like when we were on a road trip, we listened to the whole thing from start to finish. So he is, he he's is like, like oh, reattuned. you're not full of shit. Yeah. God, okay. He's like, Isn't oh, yeah. that the worst thing in the world when your partner, you tell them like, a hundred times, like, hey, this is a good idea. Hey, you know, let's think about doing this. The minute somebody else says it, they're like, who are you? What's this idea? <laughs> Literally his thing this week that I thought was really funny before we had listened to the big, like all of the big one, was that he, uh, we had been in his room and there's like a bunch of uh, pictures on the wall. And one of the things for earthquake preparedness is to go around and like not have heavy things that Uh might fall on your head when you're sleeping. Um, because yes, by the time you're awake, you might be able to throw your arms over your head or whatever. But if the shaking gets really violent immediately and as you wake up, there's like things flying off your wall, Mm -hmm. there's a good chance that you might get, you know, hit concussion, whatever. Um, your eyeball poked out lacerations, like who knows all sorts of things. Um, so his quote was, ah, I don't want to get obsessed with this and like change my whole life. And then like we listened to the podcast and he came home and he's like, yeah, maybe I should like restabilize these. Like, and I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> that's what we need to do. The other thing that we, as we listened to that podcast uh, last week, I kind of mentioned the like, prudish part of them being like, you should wear pajamas to bed because what if you're in an emergency and you have to run outside naked? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
I don't really want to have to wear like a full outfit. To, I'm not trying to wear like your skin pajamas. A union suit. That's where the skin pajamas <laughs> came from. And by the way, I don't even wear skin pajamas to bed. I actually do wear does, pajamas. It's weird. I do wear pajamas. But um, after that podcast, I, I we were in his room, and I was like. And when I say his room, we we both sleep there sometimes. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. (laughs) (laughs) When we were in the room where the sleeping happens, uh, I was asking him about his... where his slippers are because he has slippers that he only wears in the house, but they have like rubber bottoms. Uh-huh. And he's like, I don't really know. And I was like, you really mm. need to keep them next to the bed. Like there's no reason not to, you've got to keep them somewhere. So you might as well have them next to the bed because we do have a lot of windows and stuff in the house. So anyways, it was cool that when he listened to the podcast, there were like a couple of things where he was like, let's transition and make things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to jump into talking to a few about a few more episodes of the big one. Yeah. Let's do it. So again, the big one is a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're using our podcast time to talk about a different podcast. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Lex thinks it's a little dry. So maybe some people don't really want to listen to a more news-oriented no, podcast. I I think it's overly juicy. There's some drama. The There's music, some drama. Sometimes sure. they'll like say a thing and then they'll like drop a beat and yeah. have like a slow rumble yeah. kind of yeah, they definitely like to use all the elements that are, you know, I mean, the audio, it's audio storytelling, which I take very personally, honestly, I, um, there are radio shows that I like or personalities that I like. And what really makes a podcast for me is listening to somebody tell that. And this is like, overly produced you know i prefer something that's a little bit more raw or um silly you know if you're gonna produce it like do something silly i don't need to be additionally scared because of your production value on your podcast about an earthquake for sure (laughs) you know but i do think there is somewhere there are the people who react better for to that right that's what i'm saying yeah like it's not necessarily uh that this is for our audience lex is saying we're taking don't listen we're hitting no, I'm just kidding it is a good podcast it is it's it just is. like personally not my i think they have good information it's just i could do without the some of the dramatics yeah yeah and i enjoy them because as i've mentioned in the past like literally i am the like 12 year old that all things are in my heart mm-hmm. i'm not actually 12 if anybody's wondering, yeah. wow, I would have such a deep voice for a 12-year-old girl. Oh my God. It would be so weird to see a 12-year-old talk with this voice. I'm anyway, trying to picture it now. In my heart, in my heart, <laughs> all marketing audio stuff totally works on me. I'm the person who cries at all the commercials that you're supposed to cry at. I'm the one who like seeks out, I mean, I've watched every Jane Austen adaptation like 50 times, you know, like I'm ready Same to have my thing. heart tugged. Same I thing. want my heart tugged. Yeah, I would say this podcast is a lot like Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> the big one. So the we're going to kind of pick up on one of the, uh, I think it's the third episode, right? So last time we talked a little bit about how they kind of, they talked through the Christchurch, um, uh, New Zealand earthquake and tell some stories about um, unreinforced brick buildings 
uh, and kind of how that affected uh, at least one story and also about how people reacted uh, to that earthquake. Uh, And then we talked a little bit about the kind of initial part of their storytelling, which is the way they present that podcast is that they're talking to you as if you're the kind of hero of the story. Like the way they present it is kind of in this like, you're the first person um, kind of thing, because they're trying to talk you through like what it might look like to come out. And then, so we talked about those two. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the science, which is the next episode. Of Get it. ready for this. <laughs> facts on facts. <laughs> so many facts. These are the, this is the number one facts that I learned from that episode. Okay. Feminism. Hello. Everywhere. All over the place. Ugh. There needs to be. So this, I think this is really a feminist podcast. The one that we're doing right now. Uh, well, for sure, <laughs> this one. one. <laughs> I'm saying the it's, big one. It's produced by a woman, a, a, yes. a woman of color. It yes. is. They integrate a lot of uh, the woman female storytelling. Who mm-hmm. basically changed the course of city planning and emergency response and planning. Absolutely. For Los Angeles. Her name was Lucy Jones. A tiny little town in California. (laughs) The little bitty town. A bit tiny. (laughs) After getting shut down all over the place, trying to go to college to study science, everybody got jazzed about science with Sputnik. Yep. So they were like, oh, wow, if people are starting to go to space, like what what else could possibly happen? And she decided that she was going to go into science. And even though she was like essentially a genius, yeah. she couldn't get into Harvard. She was like they were, she was one belittled of two by women MIT. in a 2,000 person class. Yeah. At Harvard? Was it, I think it was at MIT. Mm, I think I Harvard, Harvard wouldn't let her in. No, Caltech wouldn't let her in. I'm going to look right now. Oh, okay. Now what's going to happen? Anyway. So, so she, her name is Lucy Jones, by the way. <laughs> her she's name a is seismologist. Lucy yep. Seismologist Lucy Jones, LJ. She yeah, she went to MIT. And then Damn she it. got her graduate degree at Brown. Damn it. I know. I hate way off. I'm sorry when I'm right. I'm, I mean, you I'm are not, not sorry. I'm not sorry. No. I said I'm sorry because I'm a woman and I've been told that I'm supposed to apologize for my rightness. <laughs> Don't lie to my face. And by rightness, I mean correctness. Don't lie to my face. <laughs> Uh, so she got shut down by all of these schools and she didn't get to go, you know, so, but she found a school and, and even when she would, they let, when MIT let her in, what they said was, we don't mind educating you because we know that you'll have smarter children if you're educated. You will not, educate your sons and they will come to Harvard. Yeah. Not, not oh, as a stay at home mother, you'll be more <laughs> valuable if you're educated at Harvard. Yeah. MIT. And not. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? Facts, you guys. Yes. But she went anyway, and then she um, she did. But Caltech was in there somehow, too. That was another school she tried to go to, somewhere in that story. Anyways, she was then, as she was researching it, because she also had wanted to be an artist, like, she is, she was able to, like, really look at all of these, like, data samples and stuff in a very kind of clever way. And so she started discovering essentially how the modern understanding of plate tectonics. She yes. she was the one who was like to who helped people understand that plate tectonics weren't wasn't this like far off like the theoretical science. It was stuff that was actually affecting 
people's everyday lives. And that you could actually see. And you could it see it. It wasn't like these tiny molecules and other kinds of science, like geological science and seismology is, like, the scientists that I really... I did like this part where they ha- they interviewed the scientists about their experiences, like having these revelations about how plate tectonics work and how you could map that, how you could map all the, you know, not just the fault lines, but the plates and looking at different, um, you know, mountain ranges and how that dating of the rocks are the same and how could right. it be, you know, and I'm just like. This is amazing. And I did like how they started it off with the the original guy who ever discovered plate tectonics was considered like a joke mm-hmm. in the scientific field. And also, he wasn't even, he was an adventurer. Mm-hmm. Like, really the reason that he, and he discovered just, it because he just studied maps so much. Yeah, so he, he went to his friend's house who got this atlas. Yep. And they looked at the atlas and maybe drank a little bit and they're like, Whoa, this matches this. <laughs> and this matches Look, this. How could this? Yeah. Yeah. They came up with the original like Pangea concept. Right. What was his name? Uh, Vulgerman. Vulgerman. Dude, dude guy. Oh yeah. Well, I think it was. There was a whole song about it. Lex, do you know the song? <laughs> I'm going to find it and put it at the end of this. I'm going <laughs> to copyright the hell out of that. Um, but so she took that information and actually started trying to get people to understand that where they were building things, like, so in the episode of the big one, they actually go interview a guy who literally, like, li- his house is within, like, feet yes. of the fault line. Yeah. They goes. bought this house because it has a great view. And it was kind of out of town, but still in town. And they're like, you know, this is, like on the, like... You can never sell this house. Most scary fault line ever. <laughs> and when they asked him if he if knowing that made him want to move, and he said no. no. He said it took them a lifetime to build the life that they had there. Yeah. And that he would rather that, that be the final place that he lived. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. If I have to die on this hill. That's some dedication to that spot. Um... So the whole episode, I feel like just the, you know, the transition through the 80s and 90s of her trying to go to people and say, like, hey, when you build utilities and you build them across a fault line, you are guaranteeing that at some point those fault, those are just going to break apart and getting people to understand that the, you know, because they're going out with her and like being like, look at this field. There is no crack here. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't we run pipes through this like obvious field? And she's just like slamming her head into the wall trying to be like, doesn't matter what you can see. Mm-hmm. Underground, there's like literally canyons that are going to open <laughs> up <laughs> right here. <laughs> Um, but they go through the whole episode. They do talk to someone like in the utilities business and they talk to people who are trying to build a, um, stadium. Yeah. And they're like, okay, if we're not, if we can't build it here, but like, where can you build? Like where, where is the safe zone around anywhere in the vicinity? It's not in California. Not in California. (laughs) Never build again. (laughs) Never going to build again. We will not rebuild. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we after it settles rebuild. in, maybe you get another thousand years before the next big one. No, oh, that's not the way to live your life. I don't think so. Uh, 
So she also, if you want to look up Lucy Jones, she actually has some great where she goes on like Conan and like goes and does a bunch of really great interviews. What else did you really like about the science part of that episode? Um, that was really what I got out of it. Yeah. So the the cool thing is, is it's trying to give you the background instead of just always being like, this is why you should be scared. It was, they're like... In the within the podcast, they're trying to hit on a lot of different things: the emotional part, the intellectual mm-hmm. part, the storytelling. The they're really trying to come at you with like every single thing that they have to mm-hmm. try and get you to to um, understand what's happening out there. I guess the other thing that I liked about that episode was the um, they kept hitting home. You know, Lucy Jones ran this planning thing. This is the big step, the big uh, huge document. He like thuds on the table. That's the sound of this, um, you know, plan, response plan or earthquake planning guide, whatever. Which is the same way the Shiva is set up. I mean, anyone who listens to us talk a lot. The LA version of Shiva. Yeah, it's the LA version of the Shiva. Yes. Which is the Shiva is the Seattle hazard analysis. Mm Mm-hmm. But it she seems like every time they run a scenario, it gets worse and worse. <laughs> you know, because she's, you know, when they were doing this planning session, they had people saying, oh, no, this could not possibly ever happen. You know, this scenario was way too extreme. And then by the end of the planning Fires. session, the fire chiefs and, like, you know, the response teams were like, uh, I think this is an underestimate because it's not like the earthquake. It's the fires that come after right. it or, Yeah chemicals and blah, blah, blah. So they brought in someone from Japan because, like, we mentioned last time, Japan is the pinnacle of, like, because they have so much earthquake activity, like, they they have put the most money and effort and, and stuff into doing um, preparedness and also early warning and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but they've also li- lived through thousands of earthquakes, so they're constantly aware of how it works. So they had someone come in, but the scenario that he created was a perfect 70-degree day, no wind. Uh, and at first, yeah, it's like Lex said, they were like, that's cra- You're just being hyperbolic. Hyperbolic? Mm-hmm. Hy- hyperbolic? <laughs> <laughs> that's hyperbole. Hyperbole. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that I can't talk. Like that is what they come you talk here. Good. That's what they come here for is to you hear talk me. Really good. <laughs> so um her point was like then when they started bringing in actual fire because they're like, we need to redo this report. And they were like, this is actually an underestimate. And then she brings up like the Santa Ana's. Mm-hmm. She's like, if it happens to be the Santa Ana's when this earthquake happens, we are, because that's, for anyone who doesn't know anything about the Santa Ana's, they're very, it's a very, very strong wind event that happens in Southern California uh, ever so often, every every other year, every few years. It's just a normal part of the uh, the weather patterns that happen there. But when it does happen, it's very hot winds. So it's like super, super strong winds that happen around dusk that are hot winds. It's the weirdest feeling when you're standing in it because usually when it's windy, it's chilly. You're not used to it being like 80 degree winds hitting you. So um, if you can imagine a hot wind hitting a fire mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're just drawing out plants. It? Yeah, it's just going to explode. It's going to be really bad. So, yeah, they talk a lot about that. And, uh, yeah, I think that was probably one of my favorite episodes of all the episodes. 
because it was something that I was not aware. It was new information. Because science. Because science. Because I love facts. Even though we do not personally repeat facts that great, not we really like them. Our, our brains like tingle when we hear a fact. Mm-hmm. We're like, facts. Ooh, facts. <laughs> <laughs> so the next part, the next episode that we hit on was the choice. And um, kind of the... What this is about is them deciding as a family whether they are going to stay or leave. So the first or the second and third episode set you up, or first or second episode set you up with the situation where the main character is at work uh, when the earthquake first happens. And so there's the whole scenario of them getting out of their building and then just being outside. The second episode hits with them getting distracted with helping people. So they... They're trying to get home, but their, the you know, walk. significant other is getting the kid and like, so it's the, yeah, it's called the walk because they're having to walk home. So it's like getting water, you know, like all of those things. And then now what the choice is, is like, okay, so they're at home. They got home. They slept outside the first night because their house is all in shambles. And by the time they even get home, it's dark and they, they don't feel safe. There's still tremors happening. They don't feel safe. And then the next day starts with their neighbor is leaving. Their neighbor is loading up her car and leaving. So what did you think about that, how they set up that scenario? I think I would have to stay. So I definitely identified with the family sleeping there in their backyard. Um, I don't think I would go anywhere because I own my house I have much more invested here. That family that was loading up was a renter. And so they really don't have any obligation to stay there or pay the rent because you can't stay there if it's not habitable. Right. And if it doesn't have running water, not habitable. Right. (laughs) Do you think even within the first few days, if you knew that your parents who don't live that far away, if you knew that they had not been hit by the earthquake, you don't think you would try and go there? No, because I don't think, like, in the first 24 hours you can fully assess, like, what is the extent of the damage. Right. I guess I would have to, like, see what it is. But, right. um, you know, depends on how badly the house was damaged. Could we live there? Could we shelter in place? Then, yeah, I, if I had the option to shelter in place, yeah, definitely. You'd do it. Yeah. So I think what is hard, so what, some of the scenarios... I just scenarios, don't think I would be able to get down I-5 yeah. like during that time. So so some of the scenarios for that included, they they had she had used up all the gas. The wife had used up all the gas in their car um, getting their kid and getting back home because traffic was so terrible. She literally was just sitting in traffic for hours and hours and hours with the car running. and Yeah, the neighbor said she could get gas. I was like, The neighbor went and got gas at 6 in the morning. So the neighbor went at 6 in the morning, set in line for, she said, I think over an hour. We're talking about this like the real people. Yeah. (laughs) So then this lady did this, and then... Oh, my God. And then did you hear? But so... (laughs) The gas, just to be clear, is going to be... This is a point they make, too. One, you don't know if it'll be available. Two, you don't know if anyone will have opened the gas stations. And three, what if they're damaged? Yeah. Like, you can't get any gas anyway. But then, once all the gas is gone, especially in Seattle, there's no way to get gas to all of these gas stations. So, once the gas is gone, if your car wasn't full... Too bad. 
then there's no there's no getting gas for you anytime soon. Uh, when I was uh, Friday night, I was on empty, and I was like, oh, Danny would be so disappointed. You're like, why did I do? Me? You're like, is this gonna be the day when I have I to know. call Mike and be like, <laughs> on a ferry too? Uh oh, yeah. That's so I don't know. What, would you choose to stay? I think it would depend on my gas situation. Um, there are for sure. We have family and friends who are within one gas tank, like. I would know if we had one gas tank, you know, that I think to get to his parents, it takes us a quarter of a tank. So if I knew that I had a Out whole... on Seaside? I mean, maybe when... You think it's half a tank? This just got dark. I don't think you should go out there. <laughs> <laughs> if there's an earthquake like that, it's not going to be a Seaside. I mean, this is the thing. Also, to. heading for the coast is not the best. No. <laughs> Not even, not even I in mean, the top 50. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If they don't know how many more, like let's say there was a giant earthquake and then there's tremors, 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 and I wake up the next morning and there's another earthquake that's like shaking me, I don't know how long I would want to be shaken like that before I try to like get away from the shaking. It will stop though. Eventually, but we don't know when. A week tops. <laughs> do anything for a week hopeful hopeful. i like as much as we've learned so far about emergency preparedness lex will just be like a week a week of tremors tremors, sure (laughs) give or take i do think that if if even if my house was not still standing if i had access to the supplies that i have here there's a good chance i would stay I also honestly believe that both of us would be of benefit to other people. Yes. Um, so that would be part of my decision-making, do, 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 too. Do, 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 <laughs> I mean, I think do, we're the type of people. Here we come, everyone. Danny likes to save the day. <laughs> Does anyone do fan art anymore? I'm coming out. I'm coming out with, like, just pictures of lemonade. <laughs> and I'm like, this one has vodka and this one doesn't. <laughs> Let's mix them together. <laughs> I helped. Oh my god! There was an earthquake, and I helped. I carried watermelon. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I think it's. I think it's also for in this episode. One of the things is that again, this lady had no responsibility to her house, but she also had several small children. So even the taking care of the small children throughout the disaster by herself was very difficult. So that was also part of her go, deciding girl. to leave. You got to go. Whereas, you know, if it's it's if it's me and two dogs and, you know, my husband, I feel like that's different, right? Like yeah. we're not trying to take care of a screaming baby. Which also came up again. Was that in that same episode or the different one? I think it where was where they're trying yeah, to walk. She was like she you gets know, really upset yeah. with him. He kind of like the downsizes. Fictional wife is fictional, upset with the this fictional, is a fictional husband story. about their fictional child <laughs> getting but, upset. Um, yeah, she gets like they're having PTSD. Yeah, like they're like more tremors. Like I don't know how much of this I can take anymore. I think we should just go. Like, yeah, they're losing patience the with each other. Yeah. Like and and, and that they really will happen though. They do make up. They skip the part. Like they're like and then the next morning. <laughs> You wanted a deeper. You wanted the like, like. What happened? You wanted some like sweet music in the background, yeah. maybe yeah. like a light flute. Oh yeah. 
Oh, wait, oh, what? Oh, sexy? Ba- <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's how they made them. I meant flute. I meant flute. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to yell at you. Um, yeah. So it's just like the emotional part. Like, be like, and we talk about this that your mental attitude. Like having a positive mental attitude is going to be like the most important part of this. And I think that's what they were trying to hit on. Like it doesn't matter if you decide to stay or go. If you decide to go, you do need to be prepared for being in traffic for unknown amount of time. An unknown amount of time. All of those shows that where there's like an outbreak or whatever and you just see that there are highways for literally hundreds of miles full of people – that's what you should be prepared for. Mm-hmm. Or when we talked about um, Houston, when the mayor had evacuated people and they didn't need to be evacuated, and there were like people who died within the evacuation. Yeah. Um, like that's what you need to be prepared for is the fact that there will be bridges out, there will be accidents that happen, there will literally be a million people trying to leave this area all at the same time. Um, and I mean, it's hard enough to get on an airplane on at SeaTac, like when it's just a normal <laughs> Friday morning, like there, and that's like how many ten thousand people? Like it's terrible. So imagine a million people. It's similar. It's really bad, similar. <laughs> Anytime I go to the airport, I'm like uh, full tank of gas, survival <laughs> kit, first aid. What do we got? We should. Let's do a training session. Um, so that choice comes down to a lot of kind of components about you and your family and your household, but it's not a bad thing to talk about with your significant other. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, what are we going to do? And honestly, this whole thing spurred Leaf and I a little more into talking more about, again, do we have phone numbers written down? And I reminded him everywhere that we have phone numbers written down. And then he was mad at me because we didn't do what... Mike did, which was like print them all out. And like, so I got a talking to about, Ooh. even though it's like posted on over, like on the thing, it's like this, it's the Seattle prepared. I see the recycling schedule. <laughs> it's right next to the recycling schedule. So we started talking again about what is our plan if we can't get home. So if one, if we can't get in touch with each other and we can't get in touch with our um, agreed upon people out of town, which is his sister and my sister, like the people, that's who we're texting to just give updates to. Uh, if we can't get in touch with those people and we can't get in touch with each other, we have planned places. Other, So we're going to come home. Or the plan is to meet at home. We stay there for 24 hours if we're leaving, like, to go to a hub or, go, like, if I go to Lex's house or something, you leave a note. Mm-hmm. Like, but we give it 24 hours before we leave. Like, let's say our house is destroyed. Like, even if it's destroyed for 24 hours, we're going to hang out there to try and find each other. After 24 hours, we have our next spot, which is your house, <laughs> which I already yeah. go house, to go to your house, which is another 24 hours. And then after 48 hours, if we haven't talk to each other, that is when we start um, going into an area, like figuring out if we've gone to a different area, if, it, if we need to. But you know what? Sometimes, we started talking about that. Sometimes I have these feelings, like Lucy Jones in the episode was like, you know, we don't know, you know, this is a plan. This is not like what is going to happen. Right. This is just a scenario. And, you know, if I'm around to see this happen, I mean, I hope I'm around to see this happen. And then like kept going on and I was like, she really wants this to happen. (laughs) 
And sometimes I get the feeling of like, well, if I'm going to prepare for it, like, I hope it like helps. Right. You don't want it to come either. Because like, that's the thing I was just saying, like when you were talking about staying, like there's a variety of reasons, like you own your home and Mm -hmm. you want to make sure it doesn't explode. Like if you can turn off the gas, then you want to be there to turn off the gas. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, those things. The being helpful, Lucy Jones would be so helpful. Like, she would be there being like, here's what you can expect. Like, uh-huh. if she's like, I want her in the brain room uh-huh. of, like, deciding what's happening. But um, but I thought it was cool that this spurred all these talkings of, like, mm-hmm. let's remember each other, like, the plan. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I know his phone number, but he doesn't know my phone number. So yeah. if something happens and we're separated from our cell phones, like... He has literally no way to know what my phone number is. Seriously? Right now. He does not know your phone number? Of course not. We've only been together for like 11 years. Oh my. Like how can someone know one phone number in 11 years? Okay. If he comes back in here while we're recording, I'm going to put him on the spot. (laughs) But I do think, yeah, I do think that this, the choice kind of thing, it's also just about having some kind of discussion about it before it happens. Because again, if you've talked about it a little bit before you happen, it happens, it's easier to be positive because you know, you already know where it is. You're not trying to figure out like within this emotional scenario, what a plan could be. Mm-hmm. You've already kind of laid out some aspects of a plan. You know where it's going to go. You know where to look each other. I also told Leaf he's not allowed to die in an emergency situation. Oh, so that's good. Not. Right. I mean, what are we going to do? Like, I need him to be here to help me. Yeah. We have two dogs. You have two dogs now. <laughs> yeah. Like, we didn't talk about this. This is anti-planning, Danny. You don't get more, more for things to be responsible pretty for. pretty chubby. So, like, if we were hungry. What? Before I moved to babies. Buddy, run! <laughs> Buddy! Get out of here fast. <laughs> I did not bring that up. The food is people. <laughs> I have a really disgusting story to tell you about cannibalism. Should I tell it now? Okay, tell me. (laughs) Okay, really quick. uh, We were hanging out with some friends this weekend, and whatever reason cannibalism came up, they were talking about there was some guy who had an accident where he had to get his foot amputated, and then he made the doctors give him his amputated foot, and then (gasps) him and his friends ate it as tacos. Oh. Because they had all talked about eating a person, but like nobody had to die. That is and most they... definitely the worst story I've ever heard about tacos. <laughs> tacos have always been like a beacon of joy and light for people around the world. Everywhere, everywhere. And now that's just. But foot tacos. <laughs> that gets me right to my soul. Carnitas Zapatos <laughs> Shoe talk <laughs> Shoe me um, Yeah Man, that's going to take a long time to heal <laughs> I'm sorry I had to tell you I'm sorry I had to break this to you about- Talk toes Ooh <laughs> Nice one So we're going to move on next time we will cover, we will be talking about the big one again, this, because we do want to kind of, I do think that they do a really great job of breaking the pieces of kind of approaching preparedness. I know, you love this podcast. I semi-love it. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) You're the one who even found it. So we'll be talking about it next time, which was your idea to do a multi-episode focus on (laughs) 
So if, if anybody doesn't like it, make sure you go to our webpage, Facebook, and comment that just, Lex needs to move on. Just tag me. Just give me mad emoji or something. Angry emoji. Or smiley emoji if you're enjoying it. Maybe both. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we... Um, the other thing that I did to um, move into kind of more back into preparedness mode since we're like reinvigorating uh, that part of our lives was I went to a hub, the hub drill on Saturday. So one of our first episodes, we went to the hub drill at Loyal Heights um, and we talked, we have a whole episode about it. So you, And there's a video of us like harassing the ham radio guys you know follow-up episode at starbucks where we experienced the repercussions of our actions <laughs> at said um, we did a lot of things um but i went to the so they did another one this year and one of the things that happened and when they do these drills by the way if you've signed up uh which i just get emailed uh when the drills are happening not every single hub will include be included so they give you the, a list of ones that are actually participating. So, you know, the, the is it called Loyal Heights? Yeah. Am I making that up? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, did I make yeah. up that it's called Loyal The Ballard one is further down below 65th. And so, yeah, so Loyal Heights one didn't participate this time, but last time it was like the main kind of spoke place. And this time it was at the uh, Ballard... P-Patch. P-Patch. And so about a year ago, the city of Seattle, with a, as the guy said at the pea patch, with a stroke of a pen, <laughs> made all of the city's pea patches, which are not really an organized thing. Yeah, if you like don't know what a pea patch is, it's a community garden. It's a plot of land that is uh, owned by the city, but divided up among people who sign an agreement to grow food on that cultivate it and make use of it. So anyways, the so the city of Seattle, because there's already these designated plots of land and there's already people who run those plots of land, just decided without, he said, without asking the pea patch people that they were now the hubs. They were well, now the neighborhood hubs. I would say that's better than what they usually do, which is we're going to have some neighborhood forums to get your opinions on what you think the city should do with your tax money. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Good ideas. Yeah, nice job. <laughs> we're going to do what we wanted to do anyway. Yeah, we're gonna, or we're going to spend a decade talking South about Miller, that idea. Seattle? Yep. Vote for Alexis. <laughs> no. Really, you want to run for office? I absolutely really? do not want anything to do with it. <laughs> so at the pea patch, so I went and essentially the folks there, they've been running the pea patch for many years. And so when this happened, they're like, okay. The city had like $25,000 in grants that the pea patch uh, people could write grants uh, to get the money uh, from them. And each, but it was in $1,500 allotments. And of the $1,500, you had to spend $900 of it on these metal boxes. And Whoa. They're the same metal boxes that are at, like, play fields and stuff. Uh-huh. And what it or does equipment. is it allows you to... And so then... So you're required to spend 900 of it on that box, and then the city gave you a bunch of stuff to put inside of it. So, like, uh, uh, blankets, the, like, metal blanket. Like, it was just, like, a bunch of bins of uh, first aid kits, emergency blankets, um, a bunch of... Uh, 
that like uh, one of one radio that's not a ham radio. It's a shorter distance radio, but it's like more powerful than just a regular walkie-talkie. I'm so sad I can't remember what it's called now. Closed circuit. He told me that's television. It's a kind of radio. It looks like a a large size walkie-talkie. Satellite radio. It's not a satellite radio either. It's something that is. It's like a. It's like a more powerful walkie-talkie. Okay. It's and and. Uh, but it won't be within the frequencies. So like his description was they set it so it won't disturb the frequencies that the city is using. And it's essentially for hubs to talk to each other. Oh. So it's set on a frequency specifically for hubs to talk to each other. And so the city gave them all the equipment that went into the metal box. Mm-hmm. Um, but the metal box is, it stays there. And then usually with the other $600, they have like a whole shopping list that included like pop-up tents and tables and things that you just need to have in order to run a yeah. location for people to be able to come and check in with you and just so like... you're not like on the ground. Exactly. So you're... Yeah. And so... Uh, but because they as a pea patch are very established, he told me that the Ballard pea patch has been there for like 40-something years. Whoa. Like it's been there for a really long time. So... Rather than having the uh, to spend the money because they had all those things, they were able to write the grant for other things that they needed to, and so and they already have like a shelter area. So there's just like a bunch of stuff. So I thought that was really interesting, like that part of things. But he made it very clear that like his interest is in gardening. And that he just is, <laughs> he is just starting to get interested in, I don't, I think that he's interested in it. Yeah. I don't want to say that he, like, but he's gardening first. And then like, now there's this whole new side project of yeah. him, like trying to also get the other guard. Like, so they'll have gardening meetings and in the gardening meeting, he's like, and so this week we have the like drill and like, it's like essentially hearing everybody be like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> they're like all like walking. Everybody like, gets That's up. That's where you can join. For my sad trombone. <laughs> um, but essentially, like, they're like, this is too boring even for a garden meeting. Oh, <laughs> so he's like, he was just, like, talking to me about trying to get people into it. But when we got there, so it was from 9 to noon. We got there around 11 or so, so a little bit later. He said right when they started in the morning, there were about 25 people there, which was really nice, of people who were just, like, general interest and wanted to introduce themselves and, like, figure out what was going on and, like, you know, how the drill was working. And because... I didn't talk to him too much about how the drill works because I had already seen yeah. how the drill like, worked. I know. I'm I like, know. I know everything about So they didn't have like the communications tent set up. They did not, but at the guy who is the area, because he was doing several, air, like the guy, the, there was one guy who's a ham radio operator who was the same guy that was running the tent at Loyal Heights. Uh-huh. So it was the same, it was the same guy who you can watch us in a video bothering him, but he came by to show them again how to use their little radio thing and talk to them about that. Um, or, That's why I wanted to go to that. I wanted to bring my radio, and, and Jessica and Kevin got me and be like, "What is this, and how do I use it?" And I bet it's the same thing that he has, like that he's using. So he had been there earlier uh, just to kind of check in, and then as we were leaving, uh, one of the local uh, firemen came in to just introduce himself and kind of talk to them about how they felt about the day. So like he was like more kind of like, you know, what's all the information that the city has provided for you because. The Office of Emergency Management does not run the hub 
drills. The hub drills are run by the volunteers who run all of the vo- the the locations, and it's an entire volunteer system, yes. which is funded. They do write grants and stuff to get money from OEM, yeah. but they try to stay because OEM is trying to look at larger scale things, yeah. not how to get whole city systems. Prepared right. or prepared to respond to emergencies. Yeah, and allocating Not at the individual level. They're, that's why they're like, you guys are on your own. So here's a suggestion for how you might organize. Right and now, we're gonna make you organize by painting these paint patches. <laughs> and the guy too, like he was like the most bizarre question that we got all day. But he was like, now it's like I've been thinking about it a lot. Was someone was like. Yeah, what do you, like, okay, if the city's not going to be able to respond to us because they're doing a bunch of stuff, like, what do you do with dead bodies? And I'm like, that's a legit question. Like, if you're three days in and it's in the middle of summer, there will start, like, yes, you can just leave them in the location where they are if, like, but, like, I was like, wow, like, that's both morbid, super morbid, morbid, uh, but also, like, a very legit question, Mm -hmm. like, also, Maybe we even should do an episode home. on how to how to deal with a dead body. That's why just do we have double meaning? There. I'm going to be like Lex. Why do you have all the supplies that'll for getting get a whole new like? Yeah, that'll get a whole new audience into this podcast. <laughs> yeah, all the people who the dark web people yeah. all of a sudden come out of the shadows. Yeah, to be like, like we but these guys are actually really funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I did think that uh, I think it is. I want. I might be making this up. I think their names were Sean and Sharon, the the uh, lady and gentleman who were taking care of that spot. They were so nice. Uh-huh. They were super, super nice. Um, I think they were having a good time. Like you know, they were like yeah. having like, and there were people who were like coming into garden too. So mm-hmm. like these are like their like friends and stuff. And it just I I thought it was a really nice neighborhood thing. But also when Leaf and I came, we were the only two people there at that point. Mm-hmm. So there was a list. They were having people sign up like for that, for them particularly to be able to email and stuff uh, for volunteering. And there were probably about 20 some odd signatures there. So Good. like there had definitely been people there throughout the day. But the fact that there was like no one else there when we were there was kind of a little bit like, Again, like uh. it's the things that Lex says, it, it makes you realize like, well, first of all, you don't realize that the whole system is based on volunteers until you arrive there and you're like, oh, like if I'm not taking responsibility for myself and for the people around me that I care about, like no no one else is either yeah. unless it is like of an urgent level, mm-hmm. unless you happen to be storing a nuclear bomb in your basement. Yeah, which is why I'm like, well, maybe I will stay here because I want to help and... We will rebuild. Mm-hmm. But, like, I couldn't with the view of the sound, right? Yeah. Like, if yeah. everybody else is gone. I mean, I'll rebuild, but closer, like, more up in Olympic Manor. <laughs> no, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> this is where I was. I was here I already. Was, this this is mine. Yeah. I live here. See this my picture the right there? They're going to be like, uh, the earthquake just happened, like, 20 minutes ago. I don't know how I got here. My house <laughs> used to be over there. <laughs> Tectonic plates. Call Lucy. She'll tell you. Call Lucy Jones. She'll tell you all about the tectonic (laughs) plates. She's a seismologist. She's really famous. She knows. She knows my personal story. Um, But I do really want to get more involved. I mean, we talked about this Mm -hmm. and our coming back. And it was part of us coming back together to restart this is like one of my real things. Like for a few years, we've been on this, like, we just need to get a go bag together. And I feel like I'm at the point now where I'm like, 
I just need to organize my community. I just need my community <laughs> to have go bags so they don't want my go bag. <laughs> I just want to organize hundreds of people. Like, and I don't know what the like, problem is. You cannot resist. Cannot. You cannot resist. I like the hurting. I'm like a collie. I'm like a She's people, like a whole though. lot of people that don't want to do things for themselves. I'll help you. <laughs> I want to. I'll teach you. Oh, oh you didn't learn? Oh, you don't want to do it? I'll just organize getting bags for you. Jeez. I'll just get them for you. <laughs> but that's where we need to make money, Danny. I know. No, going door to door with yes. emergency preparedness Just in bags. kickball. Like <laughs> $15. Prep yourself. Prep yourself bags. And then they get out there. Okay. So there were a couple of things because we want to, we're trying to be better about consolidating our time that we're just like. Not doing a good job. <laughs> there are a couple of things. We wanted to talk about the tornadoes. We want what tornadoes? To, we wanted to acknowledge. Which one of the 400-some <laughs> tornadoes did you want to talk about? In the last, was it 10 days? Uh, it was How in many 13 days? days. 13 days. In the month of May. In the month of May, there were... At least eight tornadoes recorded each day. Each day for Some 13 days. Some days had 41. Yep. 41 tornadoes. And there's never been an event like this in recorded history, mm. right? Uh, 1980. Oh, 1980. <laughs> John Hughes era. <laughs> there was a tornado that was yeah. called two years the BC Club. Alexis. <laughs> two years before it, B- BA. BA. <laughs> um, so you looked at this a lot more. I mean, we talked about it briefly because we were like, "Holy moly!" Like because I think this it was like the third day in. I think it was like the third day yeah. when there was like 40-something yeah. of them that yeah. happened. So this just ripped. All of these tornadoes are ripping through the Midwest. Yeah, it was ripping through Kansas and um, Ohio. Um, I had I have a friend that lives in Lawrence, Kansas, and that was one of them that had a bunch, and she had to mark herself safe on Facebook. I'm like, thank God. It's like, you never know. With tornadoes, they're just like they just pop up. so willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they destroy one side of the street or not the other, or like three on one side and then two on other, and then six yep. over two two streets over from that. Um, and I was like, oh my god, global warming, global warming immediately. Like, how dare we? But then I heard a story on just like a brief clip on NPR of a meteorologist who was like, yeah, we can't really contribute this to global warming, but you had a chance to actually look it up. Yeah. I know you said it was a lot of science. Yeah, science, big words, but uh, tornadoes need a couple of ingredients. One is hot, moist, unstable <laughs> air. Ooh. <laughs> the other one is wind shear. You can see right through it. Ooh. Shear wind. <laughs> um, global warming is actually supposed to reduce shear wind, so... Yeah, so Case then it doesn't point, make sense. Long story short, uh, global warming should actually reduce the number of tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it is my understanding, just growing up in Alabama, which is a very tornado-prone area, 
is it's when a cold front and a hot front hit each other. It's essentially all the tornadoes happen on the line of where those two fronts hit uh, each other. No, I don't think it's um, a temperature thing. I think it's like how one how they air collide. is going one way and air is coming at it another way. Okay. And so it starts sort of like stacking so like on how each other. So rises and they're like... Yeah, it's like, so where you lived, it was the Gulf of Mexico, this warm air coming mm-hmm. off of there. And then if it's this warm, moist... Warm, moist, moist. unstable air. (laughs) Uh, Wind can disrupt it very easily. And then it just sort of like all starts swirling around. And then wind might come from another area and another area. And then that's how it starts to spiral. (sighs) (laughs) NTM. Oh, it's so cute when you're doing these voices. So, yeah. So definitely we want to look more into like... Because even if this hasn't happened since 19, it's it, it's great. The development of how intense they are and how frequent they are is really rare. Yeah, but they said that um, since they started recording in like 1950, the technology to record has gotten more sophisticated so they can record smaller ones where they wouldn't have been able to count those before. Because people are reporting all the tiny ones. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, a denser population where there are more people to see them and like give eyewitness. Um, but they said that some have become more destructive, but not of any significant notice. So global warming didn't seem to be a thing. And I was like, for that, it. a contributing factor Thanks, for Obama. that. Thanks, <laughs> Um, so I wanted to give you just a little bit because I did grow up. So I yeah, grew Dan up. Danny's like, okay, now let's do a segment about tornado safety. I was like, I know nothing about that. <laughs> and like, I'm just, I got you. I'm just going to hit you really quick with some. Hit with me with some, the digits. <laughs> with some facts on tornado safety because they're very similar to earthquake safety. Oh. So essentially you want to, first of all, you want to get inside of a structure and you can, you want to get into the lowest floor of that structure. If there happens to be a basement, you want to be in a basement. Uh, but if it's not the most stable part of the house, like you, you don't necessarily actually want to be in the basement. So there's also some like stability and like, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of, you want to be on the lowest level of a building that you can actually be in that is a stable part of the building. So if your choice is either to go into like the rickety thing on your property that happens to have a basement, like a barn or something, or inside your like newly built house where you can be on the first floor, go to the newly built house on the first floor. Like being underground isn't necessarily better if there's an unstable structure above you. Mm -hmm. So you want to go to the lowest floor you can be, and you want to be uh, away from as many windows as possible. Uh, They do not, they used to recommend going into a bathroom because that would be like the most stably built room because there was also a lot of piping and stuff around it. But that's not true anymore with the way that that plumbing and stuff works now because they don't actually use like necessarily metal pipes running all through your walls and stuff. So it's more about being in a room where there's very few windows and that you feel like you... So it's better to be sitting in a room where you're under a table than mm-hmm. it is to necessarily be in a bathroom that has a window. Does yeah. that make a sense? Like Yeah, like a sex den or something. A sex den. Everybody go to your red room. Okay. If you've seen... Yeah. Uh, what is that show called? Fifty Shades of Gray. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that a gray room? Um, 
But so you want to do that. And then uh, you want to, because tornadoes do, they can happen like back to back each other. You also can be in an eye of the storm kind of scenario. You do want to be careful about not just like, you know, it happening and then like getting out immediately. You want to like give it a little bit of time to make sure that everything has actually calmed down. And then if you are, uh, if you have small children who are with you, Someone should actually go and look. I mean, I wouldn't, but (laughs) you might want to have an adult go and physically look outside to make sure that there are no other touchdowns that might be in the area that are still far, like close enough that you can see them, but far enough that you're not necessarily Mm -hmm. in the same kind of shaking house panic mode. Um, But that's pretty much as much as you can do. You got to just like hunker down, get on the floor. so with the sit in a hallway if you storing can. emergency supplies, is that as big a thing with tornadoes? Because you're storing it and then it gets all destroyed. <laughs> Why did you save it? I mean, I don't think it's the same per se, because like you said, tornadoes like hit and miss a bunch yeah. of things. They're not usually, it, this is, they tornadoes have come through and taken out entire Huge. towns, like yeah. small towns. I looked at some pictures and I was like, that's not like the Dorothy Twister. It's crazy. Think. But with the big one, and when we're talking about earthquakes, we're talking about whole regions being destroyed, not just like yeah. individual households. I think we should watch Tornado. We should watch it, actually. Twister? Twister. Yeah. Um, and we should also go to Universal Let's watch Studios. Win we should win. We should also go to Orlando and go to Universal Studios so that we can do the Twister ride. Shark, Sharknado? Show. Yes, and Sharknado. Um, but we'll do a whole Tornado episode at some point and talk about it more. But that's pretty much the... I'd, I'd, what I was saying is because it's not hitting a whole region, you're probably more apt to be able to just get supplies pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, but you should always have basic supplies. You should always just have water. Water. If you have a basement, you're going to hide days. it. Yeah. <laughs> always. If nothing, if there's nothing else, have water at your house for three days. Clean water um, for drinking for everyone in your family. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, don't do I, it. Now I have three more gallons. <laughs> hey, one of you guys is going to be great for three days. <laughs> uh, Legs, let's talk a, for just for a minute about uh, Amanda Eller. Who is she and why is everybody interested in her? Uh, Amanda Eller got lost in the woods in Hawaii. I mean, woods, jungle. <laughs> it was the jungle. Yeah. For 17 days. Was it 17? Yep. Yeah. 17 days in the Makawao jungle. Makawao Forest. Yeah. This lady be cray. I'm not really sure. Uh, So Danny said, oh, we definitely have to talk about this girl. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I heard about that. She was lost. She got lost in the woods or something. I go and Google this. There's like an hour long news conference with her that is just bonkers. Yeah. It is totally nuts. But it is like right after she was found, right? Wasn't it when she was still in the hospital? Uh, it didn't look like it. Oh, she wasn't? Um, I think, yes, she's been through a lot. Yeah. But this lady be cray. <laughs> Maybe it's also because I'm watching Dead to Me and I don't believe anybody ever anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I gotta watch this show. You have to watch this show. Um, it's just about people lying all the time. Don't tell me. Yeah. And I think, I don't think she's lying, but it's just so weird. I mean, okay. So she's supposed to have plans with a friend 
that friend cancel. She's like, what should I do? I want to go out and connect with nature. Uh, I'm going to go on this hike. Um, I just heard this voice and this feeling was like, obviously Makawao Forest. God, I haven't been there in forever. Why did I think I needed to go there? Yeah. And she goes there. She leaves her water and her cell phone in her car just to go for a quick three-mile walk. She leaves her car and she's going down the forest and she's like, I'm just going to listen to the voices and tell, and like have them tell me where to go. And she goes off the, the path and then she, she's pulled this other way and this other way. And then she sits and she yeah. meditates. And I just knew that the voice was going to take me back to my car and it didn't. And I was like, <laughs> no shit. So no the, fucking shit. There was also a bunch of trees down too. The no, part of the reason that was she never left the trail. part of it. It is a part of the follow-up. The the thing that I listened no, to her with her. Do not defend this person. <laughs> do not. But she was like, this was my calling. This was I just looked at this as an opportunity. I just I feel that I can relieve suffering for people in the world. And when I was stripped down from all these, you know, world constraints and it was just me and I knew that I had to choose life and just went on and on and I was like you dumb shit you forgot your water and your cell phone in your car yeah but I mean how many times have you gone on a what you thought was a three mile run never so it's gonna be half an hour nope you've never gotten out of your car and gone to the woods without a cell phone or water and your water not not both if I did, if I left my cell phone, it was because somebody else had one. I feel like it no. would not be the first time that I had you did just not gone watch this stuff. news conference. I did not watch the news it's conference. Weird. I did watch her apology, though her post news conference apology, which I also watched after I watched this other thing. And she's just like, at the beginning, she's like, "I'm going to cry through this whole thing." And yeah, and she was just like on a roll. She was like, "I just, you know." I just felt the spirit with me or whatever you want to call it. And it was just like her talking about like this amazing experience that she had, which was the apology that she made was like, this wasn't a a spiritual experience. She didn't intend for it. She was trying to look on the bright side. Her intention wasn't to go and have a spiritual experience. Her intention was just to go and have a quick jog. But then there was trees. This is what she says in her apology. This is what she says in her apology. She was going out for a quick jog, and when she got on the trail, she immediately saw there was a bunch of trees down, so it, it changed from being on a jog to a hike. This is absolutely not what the story that she... It is. No. This is directly from her apology. This is directly this from is her story. this is not in what she originally said. Right. So this is her, like, follow-up, because she says in her follow-up, she says... You know, when I did that news conference, I was not... Like, I did not focus on telling people the details of what actually happened. Well, she should have. <laughs> but here's the... Okay, no matter how or why she got lost, she did get lost for 16... Like, yes. are you... Do you think... The, are you mad at her? She had jungle rot in her feet. She didn't purposely stay lost for 16 days. No, I don't purpose. think that at all. No, 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 no. Her getting lost is her dumb. You, your thing is, it's your dumb fault that you yeah. got lost. Yeah. But she still survived for 17 days. Okay. That's crazy. But you would never in need In a jungle to because there happened to be a bunch of mango, but she did get jungle rot in her feet. Yeah. How'd she lose her shoes? I don't know. She lost she her shoes at some point. Meditate. I don't know. There's just so many bad mistakes. So anyone who's going hiking this summer... Take your cell phone, 
take your food and your water and your map, a compass, if you want to get really fancy, know where you're going. They Don't have just really go cute, off the trail. They have really cute fanny packs these days. Yes. So you should have a fanny pack with all your yes. stuff. They have hat fanny packs. <laughs> they have visor fanny packs. I have one. They have arm fanny packs. Oh, my god! That are for your arm. You can just put your cell phone in them. I mean, some people call them, what, like an armband? Sure. I prefer a fanny pack for your arm. Get one of those dumb tourist, like, necklace things with the passport holder. Yeah. I do not fucking care. Do not get lost. Yeah. Do I will not, say not bring water. The thing that I sympathized, I do not, I did not watch the news conference where she was being all like la 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 la. But Ooh. people hate her. A lot of people are trolling her very hard on the internet, and there's a lot of like mean energy going towards her. Uh, but I think that the to me, I can sympathize with the fact if I thought I was going on a thirty minute run, I probably would not take anything with me. My face right now is really, she's judging me really hard. That's my nature, though. Anyone who knows me is What like, about, like, Discovery Park? No, I'm always taking water with me. And Discovery Park is trails. I'm also never going off the trail. Yeah. That was her other mistake. Like, why are you? She, she said, I have not been there in forever. Yep. Therefore, I'm going to go on this trail with no phone or no water and then like go off the trail and have a little meditation experience and then listen to voices in my head to tell me how to get back to my car. <laughs> like how crazy. It's a little cuckoo bananas. Okay, I'm going off on this. I do want to know more about like what she didn't say in that. Right. Like, how did you live? Like that is truly amazing. Yeah. She, I, I think she mostly ate mangoes, right? Okay. She mostly ate mangoes. And I didn't hear any of that. Yeah. I listened to about 40 minutes of this thing. And you're like, I Maybe can't less. handle it. I was it. like, I can't. Yeah. It's a, it's almost an hour long. Uh, I will say, though, that uh, I am more cavalier about being in the woods probably than Lexa's, which is why I'm like, yeah, if I was just going for 30 minutes. But that's also probably why I would more likely get lost in the woods than Lex would. Yeah. Because she would have all the supplies. <laughs> and I'd be like, I know what I'm doing. I'm in the woods. And then I would probably get eaten by a bear or something. Yeah. So what we want to say here is don't be an Amanda Eller. We're going to look into this more and figure out more about what this badass chick did to do, did to stay alive because she had to do something. She had to do Just something smart. Just the way smart. that she's like talking about it and bringing us all this spiritual stuff. Like makes it sound cuckoo bananas. It you makes have to it sound very that. self-serving. She's like, I've always felt my like mission in life, like my calling is to help people like diminish pain and my experience like being stripped down and like only in touch with nature and surviving. And the only thing I had to do was live. I'm like, shut, like not shut up because it just didn't seem like super genuine. Right. But remember how we talked about how like my feelings and how I don't have them. <laughs> you don't have any. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sobbing because a dude looked her in the eye while she was scared. <laughs> I did love the story about her friend finding her. One of the so there were tons of people and she was very yep. acknowledging of all the people that like gave up their time to look for her, like people who knew her and didn't. And the fact that one of her friends found her and right. like she saw this guy tearing through the forest to come get her and like heard her voice and yeah that was I did feel emotions you had a feeling I felt you it. had like a tingling of a like ooh slight <laughs> slight tingle I was like oh. <laughs> 
Well, I'm glad. I'm glad there's some feelings in there somewhere. Let's end it on a high note. Uh, Lex has feelings. Reapers. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for uh, tuning back in. We're gonna be. We're trying to turn these around pretty fast. I'm not eight months apart, so that's fast. <laughs> Anything that's less than eight months is pretty good. Yeah, we'll see how the sound was for this one. Yeah, uh, we apologize ahead of time. We have some plans for making it better for next time Ooh. if we're going to be in the living room. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to create a tent fort of pillows, a pillow <gasps> fort. Yeah. And record inside of it. All right. Thanks, you guys. Thanks. Oh, slowly but surely. Be prepared. <laughs> or keep surviving. <laughs> question for you. Hey, do you know Danny's phone number? No. Hey, come here. Do you have any idea? Like, Uh, if you had to guess. No, no. Couldn't. Seriously? No, couldn't. What about just the area code? 928. Is that right? He apart, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and it needs to be written down for me. Uh, Put it in my go bags. I'm thinking tattoo style written down. Nope, absolutely not.